Welcome once again to another bonus episode of There Will Be Dungeons. This is where we do a little Q&A, and we do it on the monthly, and we're really excited to be doing that for those of you out there who support us. If you're hearing this and you're not a supporter currently over at therewillbedungeons.com, it's because you got it a week late. And wouldn't you like to get it a week early? I know you would. So head on over now and support us, therewillbedungeons.com. All right, as per usual, Kristen has a bunch of questions that you guys have submitted. Uh, Please keep those coming. Don't forget to always check our Discord our Twitter account, the website, all those places are places you can submit your questions. Kristen, take it away. All right, first one is for Bo. Now that badass T is a werebear, will he hopefully regrow his lips and other missing parts? I know the team has always been quick to ditch Tedna, but bear-ass T could be his least annoying incarnation yet. <laughs> well, we'll have to find out. I didn't anticipate he was going to get bitten. Uh Maybe one of the party members would. Also, as a little tidbit, I kind of forgot about the whole lycanthropy thing when I made the encounter. I was more just like, I'm going to put all the wares in here, and it's going to be great. Um, yeah, so I'm still working on it. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, the next one is for you. Why haven't the lycanthropes eaten their way through the feeble, magil- magicless magic users? Well... Um, Again, because we're still in the session, I don't really want to respond, but it's not that critical that I can't say, have you ever eaten a magic user? I think probably in the past, one of the werefolk have eaten a magic user, turned into a mushroom and exploded and died. So, um, I mean, for example, what's the consequence of eating Nash, right? He's got underwear DNA. Does that mean you turn into an inanimate pile of underwear? Uh, it's dangerous eating wizards. And so uh, even crazy ass were folk have to be wary of, uh, uh, <laughs> of, like of, of eating, of eating mages. They're, they're not the safest prey, uh, you know? So yeah, you got, yeah, that's my answer. Cool. To the DM mostly as a first time DM with literally only one session under my belt, I find myself quite nervous about the quality of what I'm bringing to my players. Sometimes my nerves can make me forget things or freeze up mid RP or mid combat. Do any of you have suggestions on how to get the nerves down a little or ways to have something to fall back on if I freeze up and forget or don't have an idea of what to do next? Mm, Is he doing this online or just running a game? Because I'm, no, I'm not that not that it matters. No, we have the same information as you. Okay, so if that's all he says, and it's just the stuff, I, I think Bo and, and Kyle would be really good to answer this. I, I think if there's that other component, though, that can make it really stressful if you're the DM. And I would recommend having somebody else run that stuff uh, if if that's what you're doing. But if you're just playing and it's you and your friends, and you know nobody watching, then you're you know these I guys. Still, are, I still think with you with friends, it's it's it's. I think with fr- it can happen with friends. So you know it, this is it's basically stage fright. Mm-hmm. Um, like which you might be totally fine, and then two hours into doing something, you start to get really nervous because your 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 mind goes there, and you lose con- you know you lose focus, and it's a kind of a cascading effect when you you're just your rhythms off, you know, when you're not yeah loose and free, and that can happen even with friends because you know you're you're the fun coordinator, you're the fun fun conductor, and sometimes when you feel like you know you know your friends, maybe you read a piece of body language that they're getting irritated or something and nothing's been vocalized but you just kind of all of a sudden you're focused on oh no i'm sucking or you know whatever it can really can really mess with you so i think the thing to do if especially if it's with friends like i mean i don't know why we're assuming you'd be 
doing this for money and in some sort of work situation. It should be with friends or people you're comfortable with. So especially if you're just learning, you know, don't learn to DM by becoming a private contractor first. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, just be honest about it. Just, you know, just say like, I uh, just like, I'm sort of, my head's not in it or I got really distracted. I mean, you don't have to talk about maybe the very specific reasons why, cause it just could be internal to you. But I would, um, I would just say like, I'm just starting to get a little nervous and, uh, I just need to take a break and, you know, or, you know, depending on the degree of comfort you have with people, I just, uh, you're, you're, you're not being paid. You are having good time with friends. So if you were playing hockey and started feeling barfy, you'd be like, uh, I'm feeling a little sick. I'm going to go sit down, you know, like don't force yourself. You know, naturally people sometimes get disappointed if they're caught up in the moment, like, Oh, I want to keep playing or whatever, whatever. But you know, um, if you let people know it's serious and to respect it, they, they, they should. So that, that like, I wouldn't fight through it. You know, there isn't really, there isn't really much you can do in any case, if you were on stage or, you know, even in the middle of the show or something, just like, I need a break or I need to, you know, I need to, I need to take a step back from it. I'm getting nervous. Just own it. You know, like I, I don't see the point of toughing it out. Um, unless, unless you're, you're experienced enough with it that, you know, you know, if you know, like, oh, just give it five minutes, take a deep breath, uh, you know, the number of tactics like that. But, like, I would, if it's that bad, I would say stop playing, you know. Because like, the whole goal is you're trying to have fun, right? If you're not yeah, having that, yeah. then what are you even doing? Kyle, what yeah. would you say to that? Oh, I'm sorry. I think uh, being online, too, is forced us all to sit still, which isn't how most DMs I've experienced play. Like, it's more of a, like, out on the floor if very few dm experiences i've had take place at like a long table yeah they're often spread about about amongst couches and like people are kind of dividing up and when little teams start to build like in today's episode we had nash Brell, and hope doing one thing and stanley and the two npcs like you kind of like physically divide yourselves up and kind of move about the room and when i'm actually dming in person i'm standing or I'm putting my feet up because my character's being cool and like playing a guitar and I'm physical, uh, you know, I'm embodying that. And those wanderings and ticks, you might even call them, are an outlet for all that energy you're probably feeling, particularly when you first get going. Like it's really nerve wracking uh, to fire up an adventure. So you can use tools like improv games, like uh, like uh, there's a there's a point game. I don't remember the official name of it. But it's basically a, a warm-up improvised game where you have a, multiple people tell a story and you point at someone and they start the story and then you move your hand and you point at somebody else and they continue the story where the other person left off. And you can do a recap of your previous game like that. So I would point at Kristen and she would start it off and then mid-sentence I'd point at Scott and he would continue exactly where Kristen left off. And now we're all being kind of goofy, but we're also getting into character remembering what happened last, last time and there's some laughs being had and stuff like that can just like de escalate the room yeah yeah i think there's a a real tendency with you know the the rise in popularity of you know watching and viewing D as almost like a spectator event um that kind of sets expectations in a weird place I, I mean even our show has it to a degree we're all podcasters which means we all have this tendency to be very respectful when someone else is talking everybody gets very quiet and, you know, if you ever do an in-person D&D session, it is not like that. Nobody is 
quiet while everybody's talking. Usually the DM half the time is going, hey, 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 when something important's happening because there's crosstalk and people get excited and there's whispers. And if somebody doesn't know what their, you know, spells do, they'll just whisper to the person next to them. Like it's far more active and, and engaging than, you know, what's presented on like our show or if you watch, you know, a bigger show like Critical Role or something like that. You're dealing with professional actors and you're seeing a quality that's just... It shouldn't be expected at your table. Like if it, if people are expecting that they need to alter their, you know, expectations because at the end of the day, you know, whether you're the DM or just another player being able to go, Oh my gosh, I forgot something up oh, brain fart. I can't talk today, whatever. And everybody should understand that everybody's in the, in the same boat. So, you know, just, just be upfront with it. You don't have to try and hide it. There's not, an audience you have to appease uh, or, or meet some benchmark for to DM. You just got to make sure everybody's having a good time and no one's going to judge you because you forgot the name of an NPC or the accent you were doing for a voice or something like that. It's all part of what makes it fun. Yeah, you might and- Oh, sorry. Go for it. Go for it. Um, I was just going to say, physically, there are things you can look up, exercises on how to keep calm. Um, like a big thing, for instance, is belly breathing. So a lot of the time, um, at least when I start to freeze up on stage or in a performance, my breath goes shallow. It's in my chest, catches in my throat. And as the breath becomes more shallow, your body freezes. And there's a very negative kind of impact that happens. Everything freezes up. Your voice catches. It's not as loose as it was. So by practicing belly breathing, you learn how to keep that breath deep, which keeps the breathing slow. And with the breathing slow, you're basically tricking your brain into believing that everything's fine. Nothing's wrong. Only in states of fear or anxiety do you start that really quick, rapid, shallow breathing and your body goes, oh, shit, something's wrong. I need to be on alert, which is kind of what can happen with stage fright, right? You're not actually in danger, but you feel like you're in danger. So you're going into that fight, flight, or freeze mode. So if you can do practices, physical practices, <laughs> uh, apparently little one doesn't want to do physical practices, uh, learning how to, how to kind of force calmness into your body, you can learn how to really keep those nerves at bay, at least for the start. And once you get it in practice, you don't even have to think about it. Yeah, can confirm. Belly breathing is a legit tactic that works in lots of situations. It got me through a stage appearance I had to do once that was way too intense for me. <laughs> and I remembered that and did it and went, oh, I can do this. I don't know. It's weird. It has a weird effect. You also might be over-preparing. And that anxiety of putting that much of yourself on display is making the product unfun for you. So try like drawing maps as you need them at the table. That way, when a map looks bad, <laughs> you, know, you, you just kind of go, I'm going to try, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm winging it. You know, no big deal. I, the, the, this big combat that just happened. Yeah. I forgot half the monster abilities, but I, I was winging it and that might just be more fun. Agreed. Yeah, I think I think a really good tip in general is to, uh, you know, it's very easy to see D&D as a game. And I think game inherently has a, a connotation of competition to it. And just try and reframe it as uh, storytelling, group storytelling, and put yourself as another party member that just so happens to play multiple roles 
and has a little bit more control over the situation. And instead of thinking of, I have to be this force that's entertaining these people or creating a uh, contest for these people, really put yourself in the moment as a character in that story and go, what would be the coolest, most fun thing to happen next? And then recognize the fact that as DM, you have the power to make that happen. You know, what What would be super cool? What would make them excited? What would make me excited if I was down here? Yeah. And just go with that and and don't worry so much about the game part of it. Yeah. Great answers. All right, the next one, gonna open a can of worms here is the start, so I hope everybody's ready. Sweet. During a recent episode, Nash's intellect was dropped to four, uh, if I recall correctly, and it caused some hilarious but also frustrating issues. Listening to that show, I was in chat agreeing with Scott's choice of how to roleplay that disability because it's exactly what it was, a major disability. It became painfully clear that this type of ability damage effectively removed Nash from the game entirely. To properly roleplay an intellect of four is to act as a non-combative NPC. Uh, Bo tried to hand wave some of this away, but if you're going to hand wave away the effect, then why have the effect at all? It was more fun and engaging to have Stanley's wisdom drop to that of a drunken four-year-old, but even then it could have been party-destroying if he had failed a role uh, or done something truly foolish. How did everyone feel about the ability damage? Were they a bad idea? Uh, Bo, you want to tackle it from the DM perspective <laughs> oh, you, first? You don't, take, you, you don't want to take this? No, I'll, I'll, I'll answer it from my Stanley perspective. Stanley did a good but... job and Scott didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, under the bus. I don't think wow. that's what's being. I don't think that's what's being said. But you know, well, I mean, his point is his point isn't that. There. His point is like he thought I handled it right, character wise. So if that's so, if you think that way, what did I what did I do wrong? I think that's valuable information. Um, no, no, no. I was, I'm making jokes. I, I didn't really think about it. Like I think uh, you thought about it more than I did. I, I actually will disagree with the the question. Um, the the person who asked the question. I don't think that reading it as a non-combative NPC is a necessary trait. There are plenty of monsters and creatures within the realm of D and D with an intelligence lower than four or at four that function perfectly normally in combat scenarios. Like, basically, you you need to look at your character more as, like, you know, reptile brain or primitive man or something like that. They didn't just all, you know, sit around and do nothing until they cease to exist. Like, you, you have a high wisdom score, you have a high charisma, you have strength, you have all these other stats. Um, and I think it's very easy to go, okay, well, I can recognize friend from foe. Like that's, you know, wisdom. That's what I tried to get rid of when my wisdom went low with Stanley was not recognizing dangerous situations. You got high wisdom. You can recognize a situation's dangerous, um, but you're not going to make intelligent decisions. So you're maybe as a caster going to be like, well, I'm going to run in there and hit it with a stick because I'm super mad at it. That's not smart, but that might be what you feel is most important to do at the time. Or you might decide this thing seems really strong in a fight. I need to use fireball, even though my friends are in range of it. You know, I got to I got to go all out, you know, so I don't think that saying intelligence to four means you you now no longer can play the character is an accurate. I don't think it's an accurate statement. Um, 
I, I think that it's definitely a challenge and, and I was lucky because I had the entire time that Scott was grappling with what to do for low intelligence to be thinking about, well, what would I do? And then when Stanley ended up getting his wisdom lowered, I had a lot of time to sit back and go, okay, what is this? Cause at the beginning I had no idea how I was going to show no wisdom. And, uh, I eventually, I think it was about the time where I said Stanley stands up and his back really hurts because Bo had kind of given me this prompt that Stanley hurt his back. I was like, well, if you didn't have wisdom, you wouldn't know to save spell slots. Like, that's a strategy sort of thing. Like, you're not planning ahead in that regard. Like, so he'll just cast spells whenever he needs them. If he has a need, he he meets that need. And that's how I played it. And I had a I had a lot more time than Scott did to kind of come to terms with how to play that. And I think that even showed between the first scenario where it happened to Scott and he had to do it on the fly versus when he came back to the table to do it. Uh, I don't think he played Nash the same way. And I think it showed that he had had more time to think about what that would reflect. Um, So I, I guess to answer the actual question though, I would just say, I thought it was fun. I thought it was a neat way to get to play Stanley in a, in a different way and show him off in a different way. And uh, it it almost like felt like getting to play as a different character for a little bit. So I really liked it. (laughs) I don't know how that translated to other people, but I had a lot of fun with it. Well, I support John in this because you're absolutely right to point out that just because intelligence is for, they don't go non-combat. There are plenty of monsters there and below. I think, it looks like baboons and ogres, uh, hill giants, too, are right at four or five. Um, but I really, really liked it because ever since that moment happened, when Nash immediately went dragon form and Stanley just decimated with fireballs, ever since then, the group hasn't been taking any BS from anybody. We've just shown up, gone through, because we've seen our power, I think. I think it finally allowed us to unlock the realization that we are powerful beings. It hasn't happened before. And now there's kind of this freedom that sure, things might seem tough, but ultimately we're pretty darn powerful. So there's no need to act coy and sly and, oh, I hope they don't cut me with their sword, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately was... Scott, were you upset by having to do that to your character? No, I was more confused about how it should work mechanically, um, at least at first. And John's right. I had more time to think about it. And by the time we had the show come up around again the following week, I knew better how to how to how I wanted to handle it. I'm still not sure it was 100% the best way or, or the right way or or any of that. But from a, at a very basic level, I just knew that magic required intelligence. And if you were going to get it all gone. My initial reaction is, well, then I can't use magic. Um, and you know, my, my reaction is also, if you don't have any intelligence, you're like a brand new newborn, you pop out of your mom and you don't know what's going on. You have no idea. So that's how I treated it at first. I think, I think the big saving grace for me was to call the dragon transformation kind of instinctual is what saved it because I think that was I think that was okay and consistent to to feed, to to have that trigger as an instinct both both historically and character wise I think that fits and so for him to do that and then become an intelligent being again while in dragon form was a really fun way to circumvent 
the loss of intelligence. So whether or not it was perfect in terms of, you know, how it reacted to the loss or if it mechanically was true to what D and D is supposed to be or any of that, I don't know, but being able to pop dragon and then, you know, kind of realize that now I'm in a position where I can actually make sense of the world around me. I, you know, that's how I saw it. And I like, I liked it. I had fun with it. Well, and you were, you weren't sad sacking either. No, like, and, and we're, we're at this table, you know, we all have things that uh, can frustrate us where we feel, you know, underpowered or we feel stuck, but we don't wallow in that and kind of ruin the game for the people around us. So I think this is a really great question in that regard of how much you have to sometimes pick and choose your players. The fact that Scott had fun with it meant it was okay for Bo to use that as a puzzle mechanic. Yeah. Whereas you might have a great player, but they hate this kind of thing. And in that sort of way, then Bo would be in the wrong had he not supplied an answer to the problem faster. But since Scott wasn't having a bad time, it was allowed to linger. Yeah. I think the important thing, because I just want to focus again too on the the main criticism of that, because I might've taken it out of context to make jokes. Um, The statement was, you know, the type of ability damage removed Nash from the game properly and there's a sense of properly role-playing in Intel of four uh as well and that I sort of hand waved these requirements and i think that like um the reason i didn't give it a lot of thought because i really didn't think much about it is that there isn't uh there's a requirement to, for a player to comply with their role play on their intellect level right so you know no one's going like uh, that's a statement an intellect of 14 would make over an intellect of 12 you might say, well, only for the extremes might count, but there's actually isn't a requirement for anyone to role play their characters a specific way based on their intelligence scores. Now, like at the table, the unwritten contract might be like, you got a strength of eight buddies, but it, you know, maybe don't act so tough, but then it's kind of comical for a weak guy to be all tough. Cause that's going to lead to funny situations. So in the case of like my approach to this, it was like, it was a for fun thing. Like if I tell Nash, your intellect is three, you know, what do you do? You know, so it wasn't really a sense of, oh, no, don't do that. Like, right. uh, you know, Scott might have just tried to act against type and been smart and maybe still did something stupid, like cast a spell for the third time in a non-magic dungeon. (laughs) And, and, you know, like, I'm not really, like, in the role play sphere, I'm not looking for compliance to rules. In the adjudication of action and result that's when the rules come into play uh i do i want to do a b occurs or c occurs or d occurs dependent on outcome and like where it makes sense the intellect would come into play which is in skill checks and attack rolls and stuff but in terms of the role play you can do whatever he wants yeah and i would say that to anyone if you become a super genius like that that was the trouble i always had when because i like making these super genius characters and then i realize how not smart i am you know, because I can't role play an intellect of 18. I, I don't have an intellect of 18, <laughs> you know, like, like, so, you know, it, it, it's, it's it, taking the role play aspect of it and trying to make anyone comply with any number. It's almost like that with alignment where alignment is this fun thing, but every now and then, if it's a small thing that the character does, you do hand wave, you know, you do just go, okay, we're having a bit of fun here. This isn't about, right. This isn't about compliance, and, but unless someone's going to outright murder someone in cold blood, then maybe that has to come up as a thing. But like, like I, I think it would be very fun to underline Bo's point and, and point something interesting out. 
Uh, so Stanley has an intelligence uh, at full stats, no no messing with, of 14. It's his second lowest stat, and I certainly don't play him as below, not below average, because technically 10 would be average, but I don't play him at that. And for comparison's sake, Nash, yeah. if you were going to say, okay, which character, just on a pure role play standpoint, which character is more intelligent, Nash Maggard or Stanley Billings? Nash has an intelligence of 16. Mm-hmm. He's significantly smarter stat-wise than Stanley. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> and neither of us play the character that way. In fact, Nash, it's funny because it's a weird reversal. Nash has a wisdom of 12, whereas Stanley has a wisdom of 16. So technically, Stanley is very wise, but not very smart. And technically... Nash should be very smart, but not very wise. Well, yeah. you're so, both above average, so technically you're both varying degrees of smart and wisdom and intelligence, right? Because you're right. not below the middle ground. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, uh, that, that, that's where you're like quibbling, right? Oh well, yeah, fourteen exactly. points means this, twelve points means that. What exact? And then you're a person who has your own stats, trying to be something that doesn't have those. St- you know, it's just an endless slippery slope, and everyone's just having. They just want to chop heads off of ogres, you know. So like. It's okay. That's what I want to say. Everything's going to yeah, be okay. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a lot of I had a lot of fun with it. I think my biggest uh, my biggest regret about that whole thing was my initial instinct was to make him you know kind of special needs, and I kind of regret that because I don't think that's I don't know I don't just don't think it's cool. Yeah, um, you you got to be well, especially because we're doing a show too. Not that you should do it in your private life, but you know if you're having beer. Yeah. And having a good time, and maybe somebody does an unfortunate accent or whatever, and yeah. everyone laughs. And yeah. maybe it's fine. Yeah, um, but in this yeah. case, I yeah. was like, ah, I don't love how that worked. We even got an email from a listener who's got some special needs kids, and it was just a nice reminder that you know I'm I'm just not thinking. My old '80s brain kicked in, and that's just kind of how it went. But um, just don't do the accent, right? Like we all know the accent. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't that, mean you doesn't mean that accent. You can sound perfectly normal and still be like say really unintelligent things like i want to eat cheese please yeah i think that's what was good about john's take um he he knew he knew that he could well you where you decided to take the idea of he's not you know he doesn't have the wisdom he used to have you could have just as easily gone kind of stereotypic as well but you went nah he's just gonna he's gonna have this nuanced sort of thing and it worked it worked really well and we got a lot of emails he's, about that too people really liked what you did with that he's stanley without all the anxiety and fear and uh uncomfort that uh, discomfort that runs his life right right there, there is a point too and maybe like i have it wrong i don't really i didn't really check but there is a point where you are a vegetable in that category if it's a zero or one mm. but yeah, it there's could a, be a three spell like, that actually sets yeah. you at that Oh, yeah, really? I didn't that's know that. Spellers, that's crazy. That's a, like zero, maybe even one as well as vegetated. Like it's plant inte- plant intelligence. Like you're, you're, you, you do become a vegetable at a certain threshold and maybe it is four or three and maybe that's what rusty nails you're, you're talking about and that I was off on the, the number. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really look into it that deeply. I'm pretty sure though there is a cutoff where you just, you know, like if you have a strength of zero, if you try to lift anything, but you can't even lift your own body. Probably you just have to be yeah. a puddle on the ground. Right. Like there is a point where there is a point where, you know, that might matter. But I, in my mind, it's in the zero to one range two yeah. even. Yeah. That's why I set it to three because three was like this threshold of functional 
but the worst version of the functionality you can think of. Oh, and part of it for me was this was my first encounter with anything like that. Like even back in the old days when I played D and D in my teens, I never, no one ever did this like reduction of stat down to zip. Really? Yeah, the, never the, happened. I feel like the old editions had the permanent loss on on monsters. They probably did, but our DMs never used it. I guess never used it. Yeah, okay. and we're just you know dumb kids. I mean, it wasn't on. It wasn't common, but I'm pretty sure there was a monster or two at the very least that would yeah. cause permanent loss. Yeah, but maybe that. that was also the DM at the time saying it was permanent because I had to figure out how to remove it. Because again. You know, your DMs may vary and they might be hardcore about it. If you don't know how to do it, I'm not telling you. So Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question. What are good your qu- good favorite question, flowers? Yeah. Uh, both from, or what are your favorite flowers, both from a player and character <laughs> perspective? What do you like most about the flower? And is it a representation of a value or quality you like? Then I included a link to <laughs> a list of flowers and their meanings. Yeah, you, you asked a bunch of Dorito eating gamers what their favorite flowers. This is, the question's not going to go well. I don't know. I, might. I mean, let me, let me let me let uh, me go ahead and really sully the answers right off the bat, uh, both with a bah humbug answer, which I feel okay with because I think my wife asked this question. Just judging by the name, I think it might be her. She didn't say anything though, oh. but. Um, uh, I'm going to say uh, Stanley would be any flower because he's never really seen them. So uh, we don't live in a land of flowers. So he would think any flower was a fun novelty and uh, probably be pretty impressed by it. And for me, um, I never really give a lot of thought to flowers. Like I'm kind of lame like that. But I did have I was in a relationship once where somebody insisted on them. Uh, and their favorite flower was the stargazer lily. And because it's the only flower I really bought or paid attention to, it's by default my favorite, like winner by being the only thing I paid attention to. Because I'm not going to pick anything stupid like a, a red rose or anything like that that I know. I don't. I don't know flowers. I love. I love that I'm you saying. called the red rose stupid. I think that's great. There's nothing. It wrong is with that. stupid. It's like the most go to. Like anybody who's like my favorite flower is a red rose. Like lame. You probably play they, humans no, in all your RPGs anything. too. Yeah. Yeah. So your favorite flower is a lily. Damn. Uh, a stargazer lily. Yeah. Stargazer. Okay. All right. I don't. Anyone think else? I, I don't think I have one. I like a lot. See? I mean, I like a good flower. I, 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 I mean, I've got an answer. I provided a list here. I want the question I mean, asker to know that I have a list. Do it. to a website they can go to and look through, and they refuse it. I did I go to it. I'm gonna. I okay. I got. I'll, I'll give a good answer. Seeing as Kristen did supply a good list, and I looked you, through. I did look at it. Mm. I'm gonna say for Stanley, a Snapdragon. Because the description of deception and graciousness are a perfect double for uh, what he is. Oh, interesting. I like that. According to this, my favorite flower is distrust. What? <laughs> What's your flower? <laughs> lavender. I love lavender. I don't trust that. Oh, you love lavender? <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> isn't, isn't lavender about relaxation? Is it? Yeah, yeah. but it, it, it's listed here as distrust. Huh. Oh, I thought it was there to make you go to sleep and feel relaxed. Isn't that what it's supposed to do? Well, that oh, should well. be Nash's flower then. Yeah, it should be. Oh, here we go. Lavender, Lavender. is given the meaning <laughs> devotion, yet also symbolizes distrust after a Victorian legend that the dangerous asp that killed Cleopatra hid under a lavender bush. Oh, oh. Well, oh. that explains a lot. 
Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. That's I'm pretty cool. That. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Maybe I'm coming around on flowers. Flowers are getting interesting. There's murder and snakes and stuff. Right? I didn't know. They're doing a new. Um, they're doing a new Cleopatra movie. Maybe they'll have that guy in it. That'd be cool. <laughs> the, the snake. The snake. That uh, guy. Yeah, that guy. The snake. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll be in there. I don't know. I keep saying he. I don't, I don't know. know. They're genderless I flowers, know. I guess. I don't know. For hope, I think I'd go with a yellow carnation here for disdain, disappointment, and rejection. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Wow. Okay. I mean, whatever. As for me, um, since we moved out here to the Pacific Northwest, white lilies, tiger lilies, they're all in bloom in the summer, and it it smells amazing. And we did a really cool hike along the side of a mountain when all of the flowers were in bloom, and it was phenomenal. So that's what I'd have to go. Did you go with the baby, I assume? Probably, right? Uh, He wasn't around yet. Wasn't around yet. Oh, man. Okay. Well, there's next, there's this summer, so... Today I learned there's a flower called Sweet William. Whoa. There's also a means gallantry. Really? (laughs) Old Sweet William, a gallant a gallant uh, friend of the world. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't know quite what to say there, but hey. (laughs) These these are swinging wildly. You got like usefulness and alas my poor heart. Yeah. Yeah. Get some of that growing. In your yard. Wow, yellow roses are jealousy, decrease of love, and infidelity. When Ooh. I was a kid, that always just meant I friends. Like that was fr- the friend zone rose. You can give someone a yellow rose, and it means friendship. Is that what that means? It, that's what it meant in school. Wow, I never gave too many flowers. It feels a little made up, or it feels like I missed out. Or why would you have a flower that's all bad things? Yeah. Like Nash it should probably like do propaganda. Nash yeah. should probably like something that smells weird, but is really good yeah, for potions or something. Like mushroom flower. Yeah, mushroom flower. That would work. He, he would. He would go for that. To answer um, that question. <laughs> so my favorite DM flower would be the Venus flytrap because there's giant <laughs> ones that can eat players. Oh, yep. I thought good. maybe it, I, lo- it I like was that good. one. And uh, I'm going to say my favorite human flower. <laughs> That's gross, but. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite flower as a speaking as a human yeah. is the red rose suck it john oh, oh, take that john how lame <laughs> how lame it's really you know, john doesn't like it because he's a hipster about it it's the it's the like the famous hey, man, rose those red roses people think they're cliche and they're whatever but you give them to someone special and they like them they have had a good success rate yeah great. That's i had true. a personal connection to a flower it was you know giving them in in romance, and as you can oh, see here, no, on this thing, it's, it's just pleasure and pain. The well, wild the problem is it's too obvious. If I gave someone a red rose, I would feel like I didn't try. It's a classic. <laughs> oh, it's he a just classic. went to the grocery store and picked yeah. up a bouquet. He, he uh, didn't know what to get, so he got red roses because that's what everybody knows. Yeah, yeah we got to go to the flower store right, and make your own arrangements. Well, yeah, you I don't would. Just, you don't just get roses. Know. You get some, put an orchid in there or whatever else they got. I don't know the rest of the flowers, but. Yeah, but you tell them mix them up, make a nice pile, and get some baby's breath and fern. And there. <laughs> there's a reason why yeah. you see people with a rose in their teeth. There's a reason why it has it's in every song. A freaking seal, rose on a prayer, whatever he says. <laughs> <laughs> like, that stuff, you know. Did you know? Yeah, but did you know? Yeah, but did you know? <laughs> That's such a great song. 
I want to give him skincare products. Anyway, the point is that's a great thing, and pl- <laughs> nothing wrong with a rose is the point. And uh, there's nothing wrong with seal either. Skincare products? No, his he's got like really scarred up cheeks from I think acne when he was a kid, and it's uh, a terrible joke, and I shouldn't have made yeah, it's it. It's terrible. Anyway, we're gonna take well, our. We want to help him. It came from a good place. Yeah, no, he's awesome. He's actually a really cool, dude. His TikTok is great. You should follow it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> It really is, like, legit. It's a good TikTok account. Good recovery. Scott's like, yeah, I dug a hole, but I vaulted right out of it. He's a good guy. I like this TikTok. No, it is. He goes to, he opens his fridge and shows us what's in it on his TikTok all the time. He's always, like, in pajamas or, like, a robe, and he's like, look what I have in my cool fridge, and he'll show you on TikTok. See what food millionaires have, you poor fools. Yeah, he seems very nice. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, We'll be back next month with another bonus show, and, of course, next week with another show. Thank you to our supporters. Thank you to everybody who sends these questions in. Uh, we'll hang on to any we had left as well as add any you send this next week. So keep them coming. That'll do it for us. We'll see you next time. <laughs>